Love Talk Radio. There we go. This is all about wine. The talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, summer master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less wine, more friendly. More friends to coast. Around the world, you know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I just, I love that. I love that. Questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine. All about wine. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine. And now, all about wine is on. Here's Ross Rock. Look at that. Wow. And we're on again. We are on a Thursday. All set to go do it again. There we go. It is Thursday, April 15th. And this is all about wine. Is it? No, it's been delayed. Yeah, it was oh. moved forward to uh, like May uh, something, isn't it? Yeah, May fifteenth. They month? moved it forward a month. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. My 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 lovely engineer told me yesterday. She said, "Boy, just out of the blue, she says it's a good thing they moved it forward." And I knew immediately what she was talking about because I haven't done the taxes yet. But um, nope, by May fourteenth, I'll have mine done. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. She doesn't understand that. And me too. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's tax day, and let's move forward a month. So if you are out there panicking and trying to get your taxes done tonight, you still have thirty days. Relax. Yep. Relax. Drink a bottle of wine. Oh well, maybe at least a glass of wine and uh, relax. Chill there out. There you go. Yeah. Get on, listen uh, to get this. on Facebook. Uh, if you're listening to us there. Yeah. Talk radio. Yeah. And listen to yeah. this episode of All About Wine. There yes. you go. We are live. If you're listening to us on Thursday, April the 15th, we are live. So, <clears throat> if not, we're not. Very good. Yeah. Uh, that's right. It's any other day. No guests tonight, but we do have things to talk about, you know, information to pass on to you. I hope you all enjoy the things we're talking about because, you know, I don't know. I'm not getting uh, – nobody nobody writes me and lets me know they're out there listening. But, mm-hmm. I, it, we, you know, we see the stats and we know that – we do have listeners. We noticed, though, Mike and I were talking for the show that the stats that our listeners have tapered off a little bit, and uh, we guess probably people are going back to work and getting away from sitting around well, listening. You know, stats are kind of skewed, though, because uh, we're only going off of what Blog Talk Radio shows us. You know, True. we're still on we're still on Apple iTunes, we're still on uh, Facebook, and uh, I don't know who else. Podcast and something. Uh, whoever whoever else picks us up, like I said, I heard you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the radio station picks us up, different things like that. So you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I mean we we are being. We're just basing. Yeah. You know, basing our numbers off of mm-hmm. Blog Talk Radio, and that's mm-hmm. really not a good guide for who all is listening to us. So. Yeah. yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So if you're listening to us on something besides Facebook or Blog Talk Radio, let me know. 
just drop me an email. Just and you don't have to write me a letter. Just say listening on uh you know, Sprocket or whatever, you know, Sprocket, uh you know, whatever you listen to. If you if you think about it and if mm-hmm. you want, we're just we're just curious of where our listeners are and how they're listening to us. We talked about this with yeah. each other and we really don't know. So if you think about it <laughs> yeah. and and like I say, it doesn't have to be a letter. It just needs to be, you know, send it to all about wine 101. Yeah. All about wine 101. 101 at, at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah. 101 gmail.com. And just let us know. We'd appreciate that out there. Uh, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to, email you back. We're not going to talk with you or anything. We're just curious of what's going on. Who's, how are you listening to us? Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And I guess that's it. So anything else going, going on here? What do we, we have any holidays or anything happening coming up here? No tax day today. Next Thursday is earth day. And so that's, uh, I remember when that started. That started what sixty five, I think, was the first year of that, or sixty seven. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't remember one of those two. I I was in high school. And I can't remember which one. But and then in two weeks we have a guest. But nothing else. I'm not in my calendar here anyway. So, but that doesn't mean anything because. Different calendars publish all sorts of different holidays that others don't. So, okay. So, any other news, Mike? You want to share before we start uh, talking no. about? Uh, that? Yeah, Mike's Mike's, uh, Mike's voice is acting up. He's got a cough, and and, and you yeah. know. So, uh, once I start talking, he'll mute himself, so I won't hear not, him. Not yeah. that cough, though. A different cough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not the cough. It's just it's a different type of cough. And yeah, he's right. not. Yeah, he's not going to you know contaminate you. Oh, no. You know, you just you know, you're safe. You know, and yep. you know we 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 are very good. We wear a mask in the program, so you don't. Oh, we don't spread, don't spread anything. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's just you know. It, and I, you know, I feel for him because he's got his radio show on Saturday mornings that he talks yeah. quite a bit on for a couple of hours there. Mm. And that's coming up only mm. in a couple of days. Oh, no. So. <laughs> that's always interesting. Uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be lots of fun for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, so listen to his radio show. Don't forget to do that. That is on. Uh, oh, uh, Saturday morning. Uh, no, seven to nine. No, seven to nine a.m. Eastern time. It's on Jetstream. Jetstream, <laughs> Jetstream Radio. Oh, oh I, yeah. All I, can, yeah, I can think of Jetstream. All I can I think remember, of is Sky Blue. Yeah. Remember. Well, yeah, I was on Sky Blue for gosh, long almost, time, long time, almost as long as doing this show. Um, really, wow! Around the same time, yeah, wow. I was on it twice and uh, took a little break, went right back to it, and uh, yeah, it's been. I didn't realize yeah, it was that long, long there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Runner, not yeah. you know, 
like 2010 or something, I think it was 2011. I don't remember. Uh, but, you know, anyway. yeah, I've listened to quite a few of those shows off and on. I, I tune in every once in a while on those. I, haven't, I need to set up your, uh, you know, a quick link to your uh, jet stream here, though. And, yeah. Uh, just yeah. so I can click on it well, and it pops know, up. And I listen to your show here, so that's a good uh, yeah, kind of yeah, uh, yeah. So it's only fair I listen to yours. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, let me open up a Google search page because I think I'm gonna be looking up stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All, All right. right. Enough of this tomfoolery. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'll let you go hit your mute button so you can cough. Uh, All right. Let's see what we we got different things for you here. There's uh, again some of the stuff I have saved over the past, and let me find something. I think I talked about this once before. Uh, the TTB that is the the god of the wine industry, the alcohol industry, actually, they're the ones that makes all the rules and everything else, has approved three new sizes for cans, the 200 milliliter, the 250 milliliter, and the 355 milliliter. Yes, they do talk metric. That's how they do everything. They talk metric. Uh, but the uh, most popular can, the 250 milliliter size, uh, is most popular size in parts of Europe and in the United Kingdom which is uh, the most popular size in Europe and the United Kingdom is the 200 milliliter. And so the United States approved that. And they also approved the 355 milliliter size can, which is uh, the 12 ounce, uh, the, the classic beer can. So that's been approved also. So there's three new sizes that they have added and those will join the list of all the others that are approved for wine that includes the three liter that you can buy at the store the 1.5 you can buy three liter usually comes in boxes by the way 1.5 liter uh liter the one liter and there are wine bottles out there that are one liter bottles 750 milliliter that is the standard the most common 500 milliliter, 375, which is half of the 750. That is what you find a lot of your um, sweeter spirits in some ports. Ports come in 500 and 375. The new ones, 355, 250, and 200. 187 milliliter, those are the little small ones that you're seeing that come in the four packs. Uh, set at home is good at that. The 100 milliliter is a little bit smaller ones that you can find also individually sold. And then the 50 milliliter. And you got me there. I don't remember where I have seen 50 milliliter wine being sold. That's really not much if you think about it. I mean, 50 milliliter, uh, 12 ounce can is 375 milliliter. Or I'm sorry, yeah, 355 milliliter. So the 50 milliliter is uh, one seventh of that. That's pretty pretty small. Oh, I don't know. I uh, if I see one somewhere, I'll have to make a note of it to let you know. But those are all approved. Those are all out there. Those are all new ones that uh, can put wine in. 
people used to come into the winery all the time. Here's a little side note here for you. And ask if we sold the half bottles, the splits, which is the 375 milliliter. And no, we never did. And it always amazes me a lot that so many wineries do sell the splits because there is no savings for the winery except in the fact that the bottle doesn't cost quite as much. But overall, you still got all the eight, uh, laid in costs of the bottles, the labels, the corks or closures, whatever you use, the capsules, all that stuff is still there. So you make a wine, you have all the costs, then you sell it for half the price that you're getting off the big ones or, you know, around half the price. And to me, it's almost cost prohibitive. I mean, cheers to all the wineries out there that do do the half models. Sometimes it is great to be able to buy those. I go out to California and different places that do sell a lot of those. And I do purchase a lot of the smaller ones because it's a good way to share with friends and all that. And it's easier to put the case together and all. But I go on here about that. So three new can sizes that are now available on uh, for wineries to put wine in a can, which is really exploding now, as you all may may have noticed. I noticed something here that this, this is in the wine industry. This is out of the Wine Industry Network uh, advisor. And this was interesting. We're always talking about generations and Gen X and, you know, and all that stuff. Where do they, what are the dates for these? What is the lines that they have for these? And that's always something that drives me crazy. You say, well, the Gen Xs are doing this. Well, where is the Gen Xs? Are they drinking or are they not drinking? Is Gen X too young to drink or is only half the group drinking? What What is the line there? And same thing with when you start talking about the millennials and the Gen Xers and boomers. I always, being a boomer myself, it always uh, fascinates me that it's such a wide range for boomers. It seems like it should be smaller, but it's such a wide range for boomers. So this was put out and researched and put out for a comparison of the different things. Now, I'll read you this chart here quickly. The Pew Research says Gen X are those born in 1997 to, well, 1981, uh, or approximately 81, uh, say 1984, but 1997. American Generation Report, WMC, says Gen X is born in 1995. Howe and Strauss and the U.S. Census says that Gen X was born in 2001. That's quite a difference. You know, you're looking at six years there for, from the other one. So, you know, 2001 to now, they are not of drinking age yet. So Gen X is, or Gen Z is not doing anything as far as affecting the numbers. 
Pew Research says the millennials are from 1981 to 1996. American Generation Report says from 1977 to 1994. Howen Strauss says it's from 1980 to 2000. And the U.S. Census calls the millennials 1982 to 2000. I, uh, wow. I, I was just amazed at the big discrepancies in the ending years here. 94 to 2000 is a big, that's a six-year gap in there uh, between a couple of these. Gen X, we all blame the Gen X for so many things and all that. Well, Pew Research says it's from 1965, and they all say Gen X starts in those born in 1965. Uh, that to me, just struck me as odd that they all agreed on something like that. But 1965, Pew Research says that it ended in 1980. American Generation said it ended in 1976. Howen Strauss, 1979, and the U.S. Census, 1981. So 65 to 81 is according to U.S. Census. Boomers, that's old people. 1946 is the standard beginning of it, and actually all except Howland Strauss, and they say 1943, and then all of them end in 1964. So 1946 to 64, it seems like a big gap, but nearly it's only like, what, 19 years? So, uh, or 18 years. 18 years, so 46 to 64. So those are your discrepancies. This is why, you know, whenever you hear somebody speak of millennials or Gen Xers, there's a lot of differences in the dates on those things. I saw that, and I, I saved it because I thought it was interesting, so I just I wanted to share that with you because, well, it is interesting. So let me... Uh, ooh, I almost... Almost turned out, wiped out the show here. There we go. Um, so, got some stuff to pass on to you. Let me get back here to this, and that is the wrong page. Let me go to this page, and let me go to this here, and there we go. Okay. First bit of news, champagne. Champagne shipments to the U.S. decreased 20% in 2020. Now, this is blamed on a couple of things. Number one, the tariffs, but everybody's starting to live with those. The industry takes us to meet the challenges of the global pandemic. That's why shipment of champagne has, has died down. Uh, it's particularly trying for the champagne sector in the United States because of uh, consumption and sales hubs, along with cancellation of many events. Champagne usually is an event drink. And so when you stop events, you don't have that celebration type thing there. Uh, champagne globally shipped 18% fewer bottles in 2020 compared to the previous year. Now, that's substantial. 
and they're anticipating a loss of 30% the first of this year. So they don't know yet. The numbers aren't in. Uh, but losses uh, for the year could uh, total around $1.2 billion U.S. or $1 billion for the year, uh, euro. A obviously substantial amount that to hit a region and the Champagne region not being a large, a large region to begin with, so it has taken its toll on it. Uh, the U.S. Champagne market has fared better within the states, but those why the U.S. sparkling wine market has fared better within the states as opposed to the Champagne market coming out of France and around the world. So just to let you know, it's it's been it's been tough. I mean, on all wine sectors, it has been tough, but on the champagne sector particularly, it has been really this COVID has really affected them. Kansas, Kansas is one of the states. Kansas was one of the last states to repeal the prohibition amendment. You know, I mean, they have place to do it, but Kansas finally got around to sources and also from people in the know that Kansas is so strict that airlines flying over Kansas airspace are not allowed to serve liquor. They do, but, you know, I, technically, the way Kansas laws are written out, they're not allowed to sell liquor in Kansas airspace. They're supposed to go dry on that. And I don't know. It's probably all part of the prohibition being just repelled and, uh, you know, a couple dozen years ago and stuff like that. But Kansas has not been a good state when it comes to wine sales, or actually liquor, but wine sales. They have been a uh, an obstacle for a long time. Kansas is starting to change their, or change their mind. This is out of the Hutchinson News, and it's Hutchinson, Kansas, which is just west of Kansas City, not, not a real long ways. But Kansas wants to be recognized for its specialty wines. Their grapes and wines are really under the radar. There's a lot of small wineries that are now popping up in the state of Kansas. But it's not being recognized even though they are. Uh, the Kansas Department of Agriculture has looked at starting over again the Wine and Grape Advisory Council in Kansas. It has been dormant. I don't know how many years, but it has. it's not like let's go dormant because of the COVID-19. It's been dormant for longer than that because Kansas has been so subdued, I guess is a good word, for introduce the grape which would be elected or appointed to government start doing is similar to the state grain grower uh, market market so they would get that started 
the uh, developing viticulture areas in Kansas uh, is looking at trying to get their own VA, American Viticulture Area, for those who uh, are just a designation from the U.S. from the area, and it must contain a certain percentage from that area. Now, there are AVAs all over the country. I don't know. I think there's like 320 of them now, if I'm not mistaken. May not be that many, 295 or something. But they're all over the country. Kansas is looking at having an AVA. They don't. Been to some of the wineries in Kansas, and they are very good. The wines are really, they do an excellent job, and the winemakers and the people are really quite friendly people, to, uh, as most all winery people are. But Jeff Solo, who is the manager of Grace Hill Winery, which is located in Whitewater, and I'm not sure where Whitewater is for sure. I, I don't want to even get but he that he would educate the public on what we grow in Kansas, which might be something good because people are so locked into their Riesings and their Sauvignon Blancs and their Pinot Noirs and their Cabernet Sauvignons and their Merlots that they actually tend to ignore all other possibilities of great wines and great grapes out there. So Kansas wants to open up to let them know. He says, in addition to the limit, the grapes that are being produced and grown and the types of techniques the producers are using. So all this comes into the education of Kansas wines. Now, Grace Hill Winery and a dozens and dozens, it says here in this article, of other Kansas winemakers are part of the Kansas Grape Growers and Winemakers Association. But they have more than 25 members, most of them outside of the city in the metropolitan city area in Kansas. Our circle also that run on on the Kansas River and on some of the tributaries of the Kansas River. So they are all over the place. There's wineries popping up all over the state of Kansas. And they figure that since people aren't recognizing them, the best way to do it is to form an AVA. And so they're looking at a river basin or a region like the Flint Hills uh, location. Now, the, uh, they're looking at, uh, let's see, well, I'm sorry, I was thinking it said it, but it doesn't. Uh, John Brewer, owner of Wildwood Cellars in Peck, again, I'm not sure where that is. You know, all these small towns, when you start speaking of wineries, you get so many small towns, you, you don't expect to know them all. The Kansas Winery marketing. you know. I don't know if it would or not, simply because a lot of people don't know what AVAs are, so I don't know if it would help that much or not. But 
Let's get people educated on AVAs. I'm a big fan of that. He says, get the word out that Kansas wines and wineries are unique, and you need to try our wines. Kansas, which along with during the 1800s, has a long history with wine. And, you know, I mean, the prohibition stepped in and it killed the wine industry in the Midwest and then it opened back up and it was California. Uh, two Kansas state grapes, the Chamborson and the Vinault, are from Kansas, designated Kansas state grapes, the red and white. The red Chamborson grape is similar in character to a Pinot Noir. Coral and citrus. Now, AVAs, only wines from those grapes, can be part of the proposed segment. And so, uh, right now, Grace Hill Winery has a special with a which is apples from Reese Fruit Farm in Topeka, while Wildwood utilizes its own elderberries, blueberries, and blackberries to make some of its products. But both wineries market based wines, which would, would find the AVA status. It says that uh, they want to make wine drinking more fun and educate to the Kansas wine. There you go. If you're in Kansas, if you're in Kansas City, it's really a easy trip out wine close to uh, Kansas City and the airport there for the Kansas City International Airport and then in Missouri being across the border and there's not too far around there. Taxes if you let it happen. I mean that's all there is to it. I mentioned something last week about Or, or wine on You still there? How China have plummeted by 98% between October and December of this last year. Wow, 98%. Following crushing new import taxes, China imposed tariffs of up to 212% in November as part of an anti exports have since dropped by $158 million, down from $162 million in October. To only four million in December, with red wine exports taking the biggest hit. That's just uh, I read that and I was shocked. I mean, ninety-eight percent. Can you imagine your business if you're using exports to keep yourself going, dropping on ninety-eight percent? It's just. Amazing. And tariffs and exports and all that again. So I was wrong when I said, oh, I expect China to be the one that's going to be picking up the 
they're not. Uh, it uh, obviously it with tariffs and everything there, it is not working. It's not going to happen. Okay. This next one here, let me see, biodynamic. Oh, here we go. We've talked about biodynamics lots and lots of times. Oh, by the way, I'm still trying to get all that lady that's in charge of the other type of farming uh, who's in charge. Seven hectares or 18 acres of a biodynamic vineyards that in uh, Diamond B wine and horse ranch in Lower Lake north of Napa Valley in California. It is for sale. Uh, it is uh, 439 hectares uh, and the vineyard property uh, scale, the winemaking facilities are already in place. A commercial license allows the ranch to have 15,000 cases per year uh, prospective buyers will also find a three-story log home, an equestrian center, and tasting rooms at the estate, which have been co-listed by uh, a red royalty. Uh, the ranch is owned by Hope, high-profile U.S. lawyer David Boyce. Prospective buyers have the opportunity to get away from it all by creating an off-the-grid organic ecosystem at the, cast, uh, at the estate. Wine lovers might be intrigued by the estate's position in Lake County Red Hills AVA. Cabernet Sauvignon wines made from the ranch vineyards have won several awards according to the property's website. An extra 16 hectares or 48 acres of vineyards could be planted at the ranch. Cabernet Sauvignon constitutes around 15 acres of the present vineyard, which sets between 1,800 and 2,200 feet above sea level. There is a small amount of Petit Verdot, Cabernet Franc, and Petit Straw. Uh, it's just also known as Derif. Yeah. This is out of Decanter magazine, so this is that's why you're getting the hectares instead of the uh, acres. Lake County traces its vineyard roots back to the 1870s, but U.S. prohibitions all halted it in 1920, and the industry reemerged in the 1960s. Uh, the the uh, Backstoffer Vineyards expanded its presence there in early 2019 by purchasing 220 acres clear mountain vineyard from treasury wine estates and it renamed it amber mountain vineyard after the volcanic soil the price for this once in a lifetime vineyard and biodynamic you're already set forth they've already got uh, everything set up they got the sheep the goats and all the stuff that you need Secured uh, in Lake County, just north of Napa Valley, $23 million. Cheap at half the price. There you go. $23 million for a biodynamic winery, including vineyards and everything in Lake County, California. So if you're looking to grab it 
before it's too late, go to Golden Gate Southby's International Realty or to Vanessa Bergmark of Red Oak Realty. Red Oak Realty might be easier to remember. So if you're looking at getting yourself a retirement home, I think got a picture here of, of the home with the deck overlooking the valley and all that. It's, it's well, without doubt, gorgeous. I mean, would you expect anything other than it being gorgeous? So just to let you know, that is available. You can grab it at any time. Okay, let me go to the next one. This next one I thought was rather interesting here. This is from here. Yes. And I need to get to this. Okay. There it is. Okay. We have been under major tariffs, wine tariffs for the last uh, couple years. Excuse me, let me get a drink here. No wine tonight, just Gatorade. All right. European Union, EU has, we've, we've had wine tariffs. President Trump put the wine tariffs on. Actually, he put tariffs on. And EU slap back, but they both picked on alcohol as their tool of argument, and it has affected wine. Lovers of European wines have some great news now. The European Union seems to have made an overture to the President Biden to drop all tariffs on all sides. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. This would include 25% U.S. tariffs on most wines from France and Germany, as well as wines under 14% alcohol from Spain. Also include EU tariffs on American whiskey, rum, and other spirits. Not just the wine coming from there. It's the first movement toward peace from either side in the long disagreement that President Trump escalated after he took office. Now, this has been going on for a long time. We can't just blame it on Trump as far as the trade disagreement and the uh, all the stuff going on. But he, we can blame him for slapping the tariffs on alcohol and on wine, and that's what happened. He, he chose something that he figured everyone would be affected by, and he was right. Uh, it's basically the, the alcoholic beverages had nothing to do with the argument about what was going on, the trade disagreements, everything. But again, it was just something that they found that was easy to put it on there. So Bloomberg's reporting, uh, Bloomberg Magazine, our paper, the reporting, that offer had not been verified by other organizations. So... We don't know if it's just Bloomberg doing wishful thinking or trying to make something happen. Uh, the German Marshall Fund, 
uh, German, um, let me read this properly here. The, at the German Marshfront that was full of friendly overtures to the U.S., but he did not actually announce a tariff-dropping proposal. He did say the EU wants to turn a new page with the United States. At this moment in history, when the world has been shaken by the pandemic and major geopolitical shifts, it is imperative that we get back to working together. The EU has already reached out to the new administration with our December communications for a new transatlantic agenda, and we're keeping lines of communication to Washington open. You know, that's great. But that same day, the Scotch Whiskey Association said its producers have lost $680 million because of U.S. tariffs and the Airbus dispute. And I think that's an Airbus dispute. That does remind me. It's because of the planes. It's, you know, the I'm not sure what the whole story is behind that, but it's, it's, it has to do with Airbus and things. I don't know. So uh, if it's correct, the overture pretty much puts the – ball into the president's hand right now he's the one that needs to decide and and talk with his people and see what they're going to do i don't think there's going to be any move made uh until the new u.s representative for trade is confirmed and i think she has been Catherine tai artay is confirmed by the senate and so I think she has, and that's something else they're looking at, NAFTA, the change and all that. So nothing has been done as of yet. Uh, they're looking at trying to drop the tariffs on not just wine and spirits, but on a lot of other stuff. And whenever they start throwing all that stuff in together like that, it starts delaying it more and more and more. So if the EU is reaching out to the United States saying, let's drop the tariff on spirits and wine, and the United States says, okay, we'll drop the spirits on uh, drop the tariffs on spirits and wines, then maybe something will be done and we can start getting a better price again on wine from overseas, over in, uh, well, Spain, Italy, Germany, that stuff. That would be nice. I, uh, there's, I've noticed the prices of some stuff I used to buy, and oh my gosh, it's just like I, I had it jumped up staggeringly high. All right, let's see here. Uh, oops, I just wiped it out and I didn't want to. Oh, well. Uh, let's see. Trying to find where I am here. There we go. Okay. Uh Oh, sorry for the delay here. Okay, the, the three-tier system. This, I, I saw this article on the, the three-tier system, and uh, let's see where is it. Uh, it should be here, and it's not here. Why is it not here? What you do with it? Is that the right day? 
Yeah. Is that... Huh. I just confirmed that this was it. Where is it? Meditation room. I picture this as a... Reminding the permitting. Hmm. Oh, well. Let me go back and look here. And so, okay. All right, here we are. I found it. Sorry about that. It's necessary to defend the three-tier system. This was... I I am not a fan of the three tier system. I I think it's it's outdated. It's it costs more for everybody. It is just it, it's a horrible system. Now let me explain to you what the three tier system is. You ha- you cannot hold all three licenses. A three-tier system, you either are a manufacturer, a distributor, or a retailer. And you can't hold all three licenses. That's why if if you've listened to the show for some period of time, we talked to a winery in Alabama that the owner and winemaker, old guy, said that he got into the wine business to make wine, and he's been doing nothing but battling the government since then. He says he's got his winery, and in the corner of the building, completely bricked off from the other building with an outside door and an outside window in the corner, there is his son. That's his son's office. His son is a distributor. So he takes the wine. He cannot distribute and sell and do everything, all three things himself. He has to have another person be the distributor. So his son does it, which most of the time is just a technicality. They set this paperwork in front of him. He signs it off, and they just ship it. But it's a three-tier system, so you can't do all three. Is like I, I've heard stories where they take wine, they drive it to a warehouse in a certain state. I think New Jersey, if I remember the person telling the story. They drive it to the warehouse. They take it out of the truck in the warehouse. They drive it through the warehouse to the other side, load it into the same truck if it gets around there in time, and then they can distribute it around the state. This is going on all over the country, the three-tier system. You cannot legally be the owner of all three licenses. Now, there's there's some that do, and there's ways to get around it. And actually, Florida State Winery did have all three licenses. We were able, and they were legal. It wasn't anything we did illegally. We were legal, and Southern Wine and Spirits was not thrilled at all. Eden Vineyards and Florida State Winery, all three, uh, both had all three licenses, and they were they were always upset that we we did, but three tier system you have to have somebody manufacturing and distributing or manufacturing 
and selling or distributing and selling. You, you, you can't not have both, uh, all three licenses. So because of that, it creates a bottleneck. It also creates uh, more cost, basically, to the consumer. You know, it's it's uh, producers, wholesalers, and retailers all have to be different, and the consumer has to pay for that middleman, if you will, the the wholesalers, basically. And that's why Southern Wine and Spirits is such a big, big operation. It, I want to say half the country, and it probably is in more places than half the country, and they have to handle it and if they don't you can't sell it in a lot of stores you can't sell your stuff and what they will do is they'll say okay this is you know will you distribute my wine for me well yes but it's going to cost you this much to have it done and you say okay but this is how much i want the bottles to sell for and they say well we can't guarantee how much we're going to sell it for if it doesn't sell we'll authorize a markdown on it and you know, we'll sell it for that. And it just, it's the whole system. I, I hate it. I really do. I hate the three-tier system because it, it just is, well, you might understand my my uh, hate of it just as I just explained it to you. But this article here, it, it goes into it and it starts talking about the three-tier system. It says the two most fundamental aspects of the three-tier Regulations are, one, a prohibition on any of the tiers, be it producer, wholesaler, or retailer, having an ownership interest in any of the other tiers. You can be one, but you can't be the other. And the state legal mandate that producers may only sell to middleman wholesalers, who in turn are, by law, the only source of inventory for retailers. So with that simple description, you have another step, another cost built in to everything that you purchase in liquor and wine and spirits, everything. Because you have to go through the middleman, the wholesalers. They're not going to do it for free. And they are big, big businesses. So it, it goes on and starts talking about uh, the different things. It's, it's a very interesting article. It's quite, really quite long. And areas that we can make this better, the uh, National Beer Wholesalers Association uh, is one of those areas that is against changing a lot of this because they're involved in it. But it says, uh, and and perhaps the National Beer Association, most duplications and questionable attempt to defend the three-tier system. It attempts to convince readers that consumers are all in favor of this system, which basically no. Point, 72% believe that states should regulate alcohol as a unique good. Well, I don't believe that. Point, 81% support states determining their own laws and regulations regarding alcohol. Yeah, to a point. And point, 76% support 
the state's rights to regulate the manufacture, sell, and distribution of alcohol. Yeah, the separation of free commerce, though, you've got to keep this in mind, the free commerce. This is my, I, uh, the three-tier system and not being able to ship to other states and all that is, is the commerce law. You're, you're, you're depriving other states of the possibility of selling your product. And so the whole thing is just, well... I can go. I can go nuts. I, I can get up on my soapbox even higher and just start really ranting about all this stuff. It is, really is the three-tier system is it's, uh, as each party must be licensed and accountable for alcoholic products. This prevents bad alcohol from entering the marketplace. Well, no, not really. You know, I mean, this is these are arguments that the three-tier system uses, and they're just. You know, how, if you have three parties distributing or touching it, how is this going to mean that it's not going to be bad? It doesn't because the second and third parties don't touch it uh, except for the containers. And, yeah, I, 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 you know, just going, obviously I am not, not a fan of this three-tier system and the whole cost that is involved in the three-tier system. And I think that's my biggest problem is the, is that you're adding cost to everything. And it still doesn't help the small breweries and the small wineries and the small uh, the spirits and stuff like that. Uh, it, because a lot of times the middleman won't handle your product because there's not enough money in it for them. I mean, would you rather have a truckload of Gallo wine go out of your warehouse to be sent to retailers knowing it's going to sell? Or would you rather have a load of, um, uh, well, just name something, Spiny Hill red wine go out of it? Nobody's ever heard of Spiny Hill or anything else about it, and so therefore it's not going to sell. It's going to sit there. So. They're in it for the money, but you know they won't take Spiny Hill because of the simple fact that it's too small and they don't want to mess with it. And so this hurts not only Spiny Hill but the people who like it and want to try it. And oh, well, enough of that. I won't go into it. But they're looking at changing the three-tier system. I wish they would. I tell you what, that is to me one of the most Ridiculous systems, and it was set up after prohibition. It's just it came into effect after prohibition, and it has been there ever since, just eating away at everybody and everything. So, okay, uh, let me just get away from that because I'll raise my blood pressure here. Uh, let's see what else we want to go to. Okay, that right there. Uh, the uh, Duckhorn, Duckhorn Winery. I don't know if you, Duckhorn's pretty big. It's been around for quite some time. And Duckhorn is uh, looking at offering an IPO. An IPO is an initial public offering or stocks. They are looking at selling some stocks or initial uh, public offering of stocks. Now, if you are one to dabble in the stock market, keep an eye on that. I'm telling you, 
Uh, it's not an insider tip. It's just the fact that Duckhorn is a big company. They want to try to raise money, I guess, to expand. And they do 1.1 million cases uh, last year. So they are a, a big established company. And they have some big names. They have Duckhorn's Merlot, Napa Valley, Three Palms Vineyard, which was named Wine Spectator's Wine of the Year in 2017. And the 2017 Vintage of the same wine ranked 15th in Wine Spectator's Top 100 Wines of 2020. So they are a well-established place. So they are looking at offering an IPO. It hasn't been announced when yet. Uh, they ask a bank for a uh, statement, which uh, which is uh, required before uh, they offer IPO, and so it's in the works. It's going on. But if you are one to play in the stock market, dabble in the stock market. Or even if you're not and you've got some extra money, then when Duckhorn offers their IPO, by all means, buy yourself some shares. Even if you hang on to it for a month and sell it, you're going to make money. And, yeah, I think it's it would be a good investment. So Duckhorn, D-U-C-K-H-O-R-N, Duckhorn Vineyards. Uh, Napa Valley, been there forever and ever. So just to uh, say not an insider's tip, just a just a and we're always talking about how wine is good for you. How wine can help fight all sorts of stuff. How wine helps strokes and how wine can help heart attacks and how wine can battle cancer and how wine can do just about all sorts of stuff if you drink it with regularity and do it. Well, here I've got something else for you that wine can fight COVID. Did you say? Yes, wine can fight COVID. It's possible that the tannins in red wine and also tea could inhibit COVID-19. A prominent cancer researcher in Taiwan is investigating that right now to see how true it is. I guess, you know, they don't want us to drink red wine because I haven't seen any more on it. Is Dr. Main Chi Hung, H-U-N-G, is president of China Medical University in Taiwan. So he's got himself quite a title. He spent 40 years in the U.S. and for many years was chair of the the Department of Molecular and Cellular Oncology at the University of Texas MD Anderson's Cancer Center in Houston, which is a big cancer research center, before he moved back home to Taiwan in 2019. His theory is based on Taiwanese research from 2003 into SARS. Okay, you've heard of SARS, which, like COVID-19, is caused by the coronavirus. Now, the coronavirus is the main virus. SARS came from it, as did COVID-19, as did some of the others that we've heard about. But SARS appeared in China in 2002 and at the time killed 774 people in 11 countries before disappearing. Uh, 
There hasn't been a case of SARS reported since 2004, although they did come out with a vaccine for it in 2016 in case it pops up again, but the vaccine has never been tested because they've had no reason to. So, Hung said that all the research stopped once it disappeared and nobody wanted to do it anymore. So he said that the Taiwanese labs showed that pure tannic acid can inhibit two enzymes critical to SARS that are also critical to COVID-19. Inhibit, there you go. First, tannic acid was shown to have the ability to inhibit the main protease of SARS, which is also the main protease of COVID-19. Proteases are enzymes that perform perform necessary biological function in many organizations. And protease inhibitors are how AIDS drugs work. So these also work in the SARS and COVID-19. Second, tannic acid also inhibits an important enzyme in human cells, TMPRSS2. This enzyme is on the surface of human cells. When a human is infected by coronavirus, the virus recognizes TMPRSS2 on the cell surface and clips it with its spike protein. Several research projects are looking into inhibiting TMPRSS2, and one inhibitor has already been approved for clinical use in treating COVID-19. Two birds, one stone. The spike protein's entry into the human cell has two steps. Tannic acid can inhibit both steps. Okay, now, that's the good news. Bad news, and there's always the caveats, always the bad news. Researchers worked with pure tannic acid. Hung said that tannic acid is only part of the tannins of wine. It is unknown if all tannins will have the same effect on coronavirus. Although tannin is rich in red wines and also rich in grapes. But tannic acid is not equivalent to tannin. That's what you want, tannic acid, not the tannin. Most of the time, people, when people analyze red wine, they analyze tannin. However, it's tannic acid that has the ability to inhibit COVID-19. So it needs to be a little bit more research into the tannic acid that's in the wines and not just the tannins. Okay, we know this wine has a lot more tannin than this, but how much tannic acid? So there you go. It goes on and gives you a little bit more, you know, details about that and how it works and stuff like that. But basically, they're saying that tannic acid in wine can inhibit and prevent COVID-19. Yay! Another good thing for Ooh. wine. Um, <laughs> all these naysayers out there always find the naysayers. Well, it's, it's really not that. Yeah, well, it, you know, 
can't think of any other food or drink that you can have that will help prevent COVID-19. So, yep. that's it. Yep. Hmm. So, what else? Yeah, I wasn't sure. If... Go here. Okay. Um, hold on just a second. Okay, that was quick. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I was looking, quick things, I was yeah. looking up. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, I'm just oh, going to say. I was just looking couple. up. A... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a second delay between my phone and your phone. Uh, yeah. Whitewater, Kansas is uh, just northeast of Wichita, Kansas. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's over a little bit further. Yeah. Kinda, okay. Yeah, yeah. Near uh, one thir- between 135 and I-35. Um, yeah. 50 yeah. milliliters. <clears throat> Uh, 50 milliliters is about the same as or, or is what they consider a double shot. So if you know oh, how big okay. a shot of something is, a 50 yeah, milli- what's the point? Two ounces. What is that? Yeah, no, really, yeah. really, yeah. Good, good point. I looked it up. I thought, a double shot? Come on. Yeah, why? Yeah. You know, what, what good is putting wine in something that small? Yeah. You know, it just, it doesn't. I mean, you know. And a, a, a can. Why would you even make a can that size? I mean, you know, this that's what yeah. that list was, was cans, you know. Yeah, that's ridiculous. One other quick it's thing here, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. 50 milliliters. Mobster John Gotti, his wine collection is up for sale uh, on auction. It is reported that uh, the uh, uh, Gotti's son... Uh, said that he was going to sell his wines, and uh, among his collection is nine bottles of Petrus, including 1970 and 1982 uh, uh, Lafitte and Monton including a 1983 Lafitte. Uh, his uh, collection is priced between 1,800 and $9,500 a bottle, and they've already sold a bottle of Petrus for 5,000. Um, East Bottle has a certificate of authenticity, and the proceeds will be uh, from the consignment will be donated to charity. Uh, so, if <laughs> let's see, does it say where you can go to get in on the auction? No, you can probably probably punch in. Uh, John Gotti's wine collection probably fine. I, I guess it's still going on until they sell everything. So, but I just wanted to bring that up that uh, mobster John Gotti's wine collection is being auctioned off when all proceeds are going to charity. So, hmm. oh good, yeah. yeah. At least, uh, at least is for a good cause. So, yeah, it is yeah, yeah. very good. So, uh, okay. And if you're going to donate $5,000 to a charity, you might just well get a bottle of wine for it. I mean, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um, there you go. Okay. It is uh, 8.09 something uh, p.m. on Thursday, April the 15th. Yeah. And um, we're going to go ahead and close the show here. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we will see you all next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time 
right here on Blog Talk Radio and on our Facebook page. And uh, have a great week. One, Be safe. And, one more uh, thing. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to us, whatever format you're listening to us, send me a quick e-letter and, and just let me know just so we can see. Absolutely. Thanks for yeah, listening. Let, Appreciate let it. Be safe. Thanks. We'll yeah. see you next week. Yep. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Boom. Okay. I moved us both on mic. Yeah, I can hear you can now. You, but can you hear me? Can you? Okay. Yeah, it was. I took us out of the green room. It's cutting out. It's cutting out. Well, we okay. better say goodbye. All right. See you next week. Be safe. And uh, I guess well, it's still on there. Yeah, I'm Hello. here. Hi. I heard that. Okay. Okay. <laughs>